with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Our text today is verse 18 through 17. Hear now the word of the living God. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles." I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that this is the word of your mouth. And Lord Jesus, we look to you and beg that this sharp two-edged sword that comes out of your mouth, you would wield this day. And you, O oh God, the Holy Spirit, would come and be our infallible teacher. O oh Lord, how we thank you that we do not rely upon the church. We do not rely upon men to teach us. But we look to you, O living God, the one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and ask that you, Lord Jesus, would come by the power of your Spirit and preach this, your word, the word of life, the gospel, the eternal gospel, that you would preach it to my heart and the hearts of your lambs. Hear our cry. Have mercy upon us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul was eager to preach the gospel in Rome. We see in verse 5 of this passage that he had received grace and apostleship and that it was the plan of God to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. 
this gospel that is the focus now of these verses uh, indeed is good news. The term gospel, the Greek word, is the word that we get evangel or evangelism from. Uh, it is the message of life, of salvation, of hope. It is all about Jesus Christ. It is in the book of Revelation referred to in chapter 14 as an eternal gospel. Uh, elsewhere in Scripture, it is referred to as the gospel of the grace of God. But it focuses on the person and work of Jesus Christ. The gospel, as with all of the Bible, leads us to see the beauty, the glory of Jesus, his person, and his work as the only Redeemer. There are two things that we will see in these verses. And the first is the eagerness of the Apostle Paul to see the gospel proclaimed. He is excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is excited that God has done a mighty work and that even though he had never been to Rome, and the vast majority of the people who were there, unless he had met them previously elsewhere and they had moved there, he did not know the people personally yet in Rome, and yet he has such joy to know them, even from a distance, because they loved the same Jesus that he loved. They had believed in the same Jesus that he believed in. And so as he begins this epistle, this letter to the church in Rome, in verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And you might think it's strange him thanking God for people he had never even met. And yet, because they loved Jesus and he loved Jesus, actually they had met. They had met together in the throne room of heaven. The bond that they had was one that transcends space. And even time, it is a bond that joins all of God's people together because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and we, by faith, mingle our praise with the saints who have gone before and we have the joy of, by faith, as we read in Ephesians chapter 2, even being seated in the heavenly places, past tense. As Christians, that's where we live, by faith. Our home, our citizenship, the Apostle Paul declares in Philippians 3, is in heaven. And it is 
from that vantage point that we wait for this son to come again in glory. That is what bound the Apostle Paul to these Christians. That, what, that is what binds us to each other. That is what binds us to brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria and China all over the world. We experience the same excitement and joy and commitment to belong to Almighty God. And so the Apostle Paul, he breaks out in praise. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now, if there is one thing that you need to learn and take home today from verses 8 through 17, it is that life is found in Jesus Christ. And the only way you can have Jesus is faith in Jesus. By the grace of God to believe in Jesus. This word faith is a prominent theme throughout the book of Romans. It is the thing to which God is calling you and me today to have faith in Jesus. And as we see the Apostle Paul breaking out in praise to God for these Christians that he had never met yet, yet he has something in common with them that causes him to have great joy. It is Jesus Christ. And they have Jesus by faith in the Son of God. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. They had been joined to his Jesus. He had been joined to their Jesus. And the tool that brings people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ is faith. Simple, childlike faith. Where we look outside of ourselves and reach out, as one of the old gospel preachers described it, the beggar's hand of faith. And I want you to just picture in your mind, here's somebody who's a beggar. I'm totally destitute. I have no resources. And I'm reaching out this bony, emaciated, pitiful hand and grab the Savior. That's how this old gospel preacher described what faith is. Faith is that beggar's hand that grabs Jesus and holds fast to Jesus as our Redeemer. The Apostle Paul says, Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Wherever the Apostle Paul went, he heard the echoes of people in Rome, the capital 
of the Roman Empire, the gospel had broken into that dark place and men and women and boys and girls had embraced Jesus Christ. And their faith, their testimony of trusting in Jesus was echoing throughout the whole world. Wherever the Apostle Paul would go, he would hear of people who were trusting in Jesus even in Rome. And so in verse 9, he says, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. I want you to notice in verse 9 how important the gospel was and is. The Apostle Paul, when he's talking about the gospel coming and the gospel taking root and the gospel growing, because that's what he's talking about, he calls God to be witness that what he's going to say about this gospel is the truth. This is not some casual thing. The Bible warns us in the third commandment to not take God's name in vain. And one of the applications of that is that our speech ought to be faithful and honest. We ought not have to swear an oath calling God to be witness in our everyday lives that what we are saying is the truth in our dealings and talking with one another. It is only on rare occasions, on momentous occasions, that the oath is to be employed. It is never to be employed just in a casual way where you hear people say, I, I swear that's the best pie I've had in a week. That is wicked in God's sight. And so it reminds us the Apostle Paul is taking an oath. As God is my witness, this is not a casual thing he's talking about. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is going forth. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is at stake for these brothers and sisters in Jesus to continue to believe in Jesus and grow in Jesus and be faithful to never turn away from Jesus even unto death. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. The Apostle Paul reveals to us that the thing that makes him who he is is that in the very core of his being, uh, from the very depths of his heart, Jesus has captured him. That this message, this body of truth, that Jesus died upon the cross and has been raised from the dead, 
and that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That that is what animates and makes this man who he is. And so it is with every child of God. That's who you are. That's who I am. If we belong to Jesus, we are those who from the spirit, from the very core of our being, are those who have been captured by the love of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ has come to us and we have heard the voice of Jesus calling us to repent, <coughs> to turn our back on the world and to trust in him. And so the Apostle Paul, he calls God to witness. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. He not only is thanking God for them, we see that up in verse 8, but he's also asking God for something. And what did the Apostle Paul ask for? It had to do with the gospel. It had to do with his eagerness to see the gospel grow and go forth. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. He says, I've been praying and praying and praying as I thank God for you, as I have heard of how the gospel has come there. And your testimony, it has echoed throughout the whole world. I have been praying that I would have the privilege of coming to you. Why did the Apostle Paul want to go there? Well, let's keep reading. By God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may mutually be encouraged. This word, encourage, is the word that is translated comfort. It's the word that's encourage, uh, translated encourage. Uh, it is a word that it describes God himself. You remember we looked and saw that God, the Father, is identified as the Father of mercies and God of all comfort or encouragement in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And God has encouraged us so that, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we may encourage the people around us with the same comfort or encouragement that Jesus has given us. God the Holy Spirit is the comforter or the encourager. As we read in John chapter 14 and chapter 15, and the Lord Jesus, he's the comforter. He's the consolation of Israel as we read there in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Same word. 
And here the Apostle Paul says, I long to come and see you, and I'm praying that God would give me the privilege of coming there to Rome so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged. As he would be talking to them and sharing the gospel with them, and they would be talking to him and sharing the gospel with him and encouraging him by their life of loving and serving and following Jesus. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I've likened uh, the people of God uh, uh, to coals in a fireplace, burning coals in a fireplace. And you can take one of those coals and put it out by itself, and it will go out a long time before the others who are all feeding on each other. Those coals fire each other up. And so it is with the people of God. God has designed and calls us in our church family, in our own families, in our homes, to be like coals, joined to Jesus, seeking to encourage and inflame the hearts of those around us to love Jesus more and more. And so the Apostle Paul, that's why he wanted to come. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul had been called and set apart to carry the gospel all over the known world. And he is eager now to come and to see Jesus reap a harvest. That is our heart's desire. In our own hearts, we want to bear fruit for God's praise. We want to be used of God to be an encouragement to those around us, in our families, in our church family, to encourage them to bear fruit for Jesus. And so in verse 14, the Apostle Paul declared to these Christians that he loves, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So... I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. The Apostle Paul declares that his message was for everybody. Now, he's going to get around to the fact in verse 16 that it is for the Jew and the Greek, but I want you to notice in verse 14, he talks to Greeks and to barbarians. Uh, why that distinction? Well, the Greeks, they were the ones that were uh, sophisticated uh, in their uh, uh, barbarian thinking. 
And the barbarians were those who were unsophisticated in their barbaric thinking and living. And so he makes this distinction just to make sure right from the start uh, that everyone understood the gospel is to be proclaimed calling all men, all men everywhere to repent and believe. Not one group, not one class, not one category, but all the fallen sons and daughters of Adam are to hear the gospel call of God calling, as we read in Acts chapter 17, all men everywhere to repent and believe. That was the obligation. This word obligation is translated debt. It's the word, for example, that the Lord Jesus used over in the Gospel of Luke uh, when the Pharisee was uh, uh, looking at the woman uh, who had the reputation and how she had crashed his party and, and was weeping on the feet of Jesus. And Simon the Pharisee said, Ooh, if this man were really a prophet from God, he would know what sort of woman uh, this is, and he would have kicked her away. And he turns to Simon the Pharisee, and he says, Simon, uh, uh, a moneylender uh, had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. He graciously forgave them both, which will love him more? And Simon said, well, I guess the one who owed him more. And so here's this term, uh, debt. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm in debt. I'm in debt to God. I'm under an obligation because Jesus has captured me with his mercy and his love. And so it is with us. We are under an obligation. We are debtors, and if we understand who we are as God sees us, uh, we will have a great love for Jesus because he has forgiven us a great debt. Those who love Jesus little, we don't see ourselves for who we really are. Those who understand even a little bit of the awfulness of our own sin. Oh, we have a great love for the Savior because we understand, Jesus, you have loved me much. And so the Apostle Paul was under obligation. Now, the particular thing that Jesus had called him to do was to be a preacher of the gospel, an apostle. And praise God, he doesn't call everybody to be preachers of the gospel. If he did, oh dear, where would we be? We would not have clothes to wear. We would not have food to eat. We would not have houses to live in. We would not have roads. We would not have electricity. But whatever God has called you to do, Whatever your vocation is, Jesus is calling you this day to serve him. 
And the calling all Christians have is Jesus has called us to repent and believe. And so in that sense, we are under obligation. And we are under obligation to lift up the name of Jesus, to fly the banner of the King of glory, not only in our own hearts, but in our homes and in the workplace and at school and in civil government, in every facet of life. We are a people who are under obligation to honor and please the Lamb. And life is for people to know Jesus and follow Him. And so the Apostle Paul in verse 15, he says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now we're going to stop there. I don't want to rush over these next two verses. But I do want to give you just a little glimpse of why the Apostle Paul was so excited about the gospel. Hearing that these people had believed and him revealing his burning desire and prayer that God would open the door for him to be able to go and preach the gospel and him revealing that this is the great task that God has given to his church throughout the ages to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to disciple God's people, focusing on this message of life and hope and salvation. Why? The Apostle Paul says, well, I am eager to come because I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he so eager? Because this is the message of life and hope. And he says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. Why is he not ashamed? Why is he not ashamed about a, a man dying a bloody, debilitating death on a Roman cross. The lowliest of ways that you could be treated as a criminal was to be crucified on a Roman cross. That's what happened to Jesus. Why is the Apostle Paul not ashamed of the gospel? He says, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. This gospel is the power of God to salvation. And why is the gospel so powerful? Because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just, the righteous. You want to be right with God? Faith in Jesus. You want to continue to be right with God? Faith in Jesus. You want to grow in usefulness to God? Faith in Jesus. You want to make it? 
in this life, faith in Jesus. You want to make it to heaven? Faith in Jesus. Father, we ask that you would have mercy upon us, that you would capture us with the good news of your Son, and that, Lord, we would be those who rejoice to hear of Jesus that our own hearts would be captivated and thrilled with you, Lord Jesus, that there would be nothing else in this universe that is more important to us than you, Lord Jesus. And we would be those who are praying for the gospel to go forth in our own hearts and lives, uh, in our family members, in our church family that you would stir us up, Lord, to view ourselves as ambassadors and missionaries sent out, bearing your name. And Lord, that we would be those who would view that we are under obligation to fly the banner of the King in everything we say and do and think. Lord Jesus, you know that we do love you who have been called out of darkness into light. And yet, Lord, we can't live the Christian life in our own strength. And so, Lord, the life of the Christian is looking to you, Lord Jesus, and how we thank you for reminding us of that glorious truth Lord, thrill our hearts this day that there is a Savior who has the power to forgive us and keep us and revive us when we stumble and cleanse us and give us the joy and privilege to spend our lives in service of the King. Lord, bless us now as we continue to worship you together. And if there be any in this place that do not believe the gospel, Lord Jesus, call them out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord Jesus, awaken the dead and give them life. Give them repentance and faith in you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.